Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty. Hello. I'd like to welcome listeners to this latest PTJ podcast. This is our first podcast using Zoom. I'm Alan Jetty. I'm Editor-in-Chief of PTJ, and today I'm very pleased to welcome as my guest, Dr. Joshua Johnson, who is research scientist at the Cleveland Clinic Rehabilitation and Sports Therapy Department, as well as the Cleveland Clinic Center for Value-Based Care Research. Welcome, Dr. Johnson. Thank you, Dr. Jetty, for the invitation. Well, it's great to have the chance to talk to you about your study. The title of Dr. Johnson and his colleagues' study is Physical function in the hospital is associated with patient-centered outcomes in an inpatient rehabilitation facility, or what I'll refer to as an IRF. What I thought I would do is give a little summary for our listeners, and then we'll talk about the study, okay? Okay. This was a retrospective cohort study. It involved over 1,300 patients and they wanted to test the independent association between a patient's basic mobility function at the point of hospital admission, as well as hospital discharge, with functional improvement in an, in an IRF or ERF. Discharge from the ERF to the community, as well as 30-day hospital events. Primary data were collected from one acute hospital in IRF. Patients with very low or very high mobility, as measured near the time of hospital discharge, were found to not be likely to achieve meaningful mobility improvement during an IRF stay. In contrast, patients with moderately low, moderately high, or high levels of mobility as measured at hospital discharge, were more likely than those with very low mobility to improve while in an IRF. Those same patients were more likely to be discharged from an IRF to the community and have significantly shorter IRF length of stay. I really enjoyed your study. I found it very interesting and relevant. Let's start by talking about You mentioned in your introduction that there is growing interest in identifying patients who are most likely to achieve meaningful outcomes in different post-acute care settings. What do you see as driving that growing interest? I really think it goes back to the concept of value-based care and the push towards value-based care especially. So, you know, there's more and more evidence coming out about the cost of care and in, po- in various post-acute care settings, but that outcomes across those settings and even within those settings, if you compare them to one another, is highly variable. So if we're looking at value in terms of outcomes over cost, it seems we're not getting much value out of various post-acute care settings. And we really need to do a better job of identifying for patients and for health systems where that value can be maximized. And so you know, previous research has focused on predicting discharge disposition 
but it's been largely based on where patients were actually discharged to and hasn't actually followed them into post-acute care. And so if we really want to know if we're getting good value and if we made the right decision for those patients, we need to know, well, how did they do there? How did, how would they have done in a different setting? And I think we need more and more research to establish that. I thought your sample was very interesting and I did note in reading through your methodology that claims records from traditional Medicare patients were not included in your study. Was that a choice or was that a given uh, for your study? Yeah, that was an unfortunate limitation of our data at that time. Um, so the, the claims records were really supplemental, um, were meant to be supplemental in this particular study. You know, the, the primary data came from that health system's uh, enterprise data vault. So we had the primary variables we were interested in, but because we had included predicted variables like uh, hospitalizations in the six months prior to a patient's index hospitalization for this study and 30-day hospital events as an outcome for this study, we were interested in trying to get as much information as we could about those, those care episodes to know if a patient was admitted to another hospital besides the one that was in our sample in the six months prior to hospitalization or in the 30 days after hospitalization, could we capture that? So unfortunately for about half of our patients, we couldn't because they had traditional Medicare and that wasn't included in the all payer claims database that we had access yeah. to for this study. Well, it is unfortunate, but that's, that's one of the side effects of using um, existing data sets for this kind of research. Yeah, which I think is one of the largest challenges of doing this kind of research is, is trying to merge those large and complex data sets. And I think it's important for readers to understand those kind of limitations. I agree. I was interested in another choice that you made, and I've run into this in my own research. You had a choice of whether or not to focus on unique hospital admissions rather than unique patients as the unit of analysis in your study. And you chose to focus on the admission as the unit and not the patient. Why did you make that choice and what do you see as the implications of that choice? I mean, ours was primarily clinical. I mean, I, we see individual hospital episodes, even for a single patient, as being fairly unique. Uh, diagnoses, admitting diagnoses may be different. Outcomes could certainly be different. And so because of those clinical factors and the fact that the clinical presentation for those patients could change for one admission compared to another, we felt it was most representative to look at the individual hospital episodes rather than patients. And as far as the implications, I mean, you know, statistically, there are some implications to that. There could be some clustering at the patient level, and we did not account for that. Um, fortunately, um, only about 8% or about, about 90 episodes out of the uh, total episodes that were included were repeat episodes. So, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of uh, repeat admissions to really um, lend any significant concern about potential clustering, but because we didn't account for it, we don't know for sure that it didn't exist. Fair point. The fact that there were a small number, I think, does help the reader not be overly concerned about the potential effects. So that's good to know. I, of course, was very interested in looking at the levels of mobility in your patients. 
And you found that patients with moderate, what you defined as moderate levels of mobility at discharge, scores that range from 25.8 to 42.48 on the T-scale of the mobility measure um, were most likely to achieve important functional improvements. I was very struck by that finding because it's actually a relatively low level of function, right, Um, for rehab patients in general, not so much for inpatients, but 25 points on on the T-scale is two and a half standard deviations below the mean that was established on an overall rehabilitation um, normative sample. So I was very struck by that. Why do you think this finding is important? Well, I think first it's probably important to note a limitation with that. You know, these cut scores that we use for this study, I won't call them arbitrary, but you know, there's very little literature to guide where those cut scores should exist. And so, you know, we looked at some av- some available studies that would give some indication of, of meaningful cut scores and then tried to uh, reconcile any differences between those schemes based on some clinical rationale, um, but they're still not completely evidence-based. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, a 26 or a 32, as that low end is, you know, I don't know that we can say with any level of confidence that there's a a big difference there. So I think that's an important limitation, but I think in general, those patients that are kind of in that mid range of function um, may represent what I, you know, a term that I'm, I'm using more and more and hearing more and more of like a sweet spot, right. Of, of patients that have a positive prognosis for functional recovery with appropriate physical therapy and other rehabilitation interventions. So it may be that those are the patients kind of that mid range of function while they're in the hospital that are most likely to achieve functional outcomes. But I think it's also important to know that this study did not look at whether those same patients would have done better in a different setting, which is what I think we need to get to. We We need to know for those same patients would home with home healthcare or a skilled nursing facility been more appropriate. And we did not evaluate that. In fact, we didn't even evaluate if those same patients would have done better in a different acute rehab when we know there could be variability in the types of intensity of therapy in those various facilities. And we didn't evaluate that either, but I think we need to. I like the way you describe it as the sweet spot because the the implication is for patients under 25 on that scale or over 42, there was no evidence that they achieved important functional improvement in the earth. So it begins to call into question about whether or not those are the right target patients to send to that level of post-acute care. Right. And I think think that's consistent with other literature. I mean, we know that patients who tend to score higher are more likely to be discharged home. Again, we don't have a lot of literature to know that that was the right decision based on their outcomes, but that's the current decision in most cases. And this seems to support that, that at least for those patients with very high physical function in the hospital, 
may not have needed acute rehab or at least didn't achieve meaningful functional improvement in acute rehab. So the rationale for that decision isn't really clear. Or very low. Or very low, right? Which again, may represent some sort of prognostic factor of the, another term that I'm hearing often is the rehabability of those patients, yeah. right? What, what effect will rehab have for those patients? Did you by chance look at whether or not that finding held regardless of diagnosis? Were you able to look at that? So we did not um, classify or subgroup our patients by diagnosis, but I think it'd be interesting to do so. Diagnosis was included as a covariate in the model, um, but I think there's a lot of room for us to look at specific diagnoses and see you know, what different clinical populations may look like relative to their physical function and their, their outcomes in the acute rehab or the ERF. You had a long list of covariates appropriately that you included in your models. And I was very interested in that. Could you talk a little bit about if any of the covariates struck you as uh, having significant associations with improvement in function during the Earth stay? Yeah, there were a few, and I appreciate this question. I think in retrospect, we probably should have put this in the paper, at least as a supplement, just to look at how those other covariates um, affected those, those post-acute care, those ERF outcomes. Um, but there were a couple, I think, that were um, at least interesting, and it, it would take some work to understand why, but diagnosis was one of those. So, um, the majority of patients in our sample had what was classified as a disease of the circulatory system, which probably most often was stroke, um, which makes sense for this population. But interestingly, that, that particular population didn't demonstrate a statistical, statistical significance in our multivariable model. It was actually patients with orthopedic conditions that were more likely to achieve the functional improvement and patients with um, cancer who were less likely to achieve meaningful functional improvement. So I think, again, going back to our previous discussion, looking at the diagnosis, probably in larger samples than what I had here, is going to be really important in future research to understand that implication. I think a little bit more clearly and um, maybe a bit better or a bit easier to understand is uh, comorbidity burden was also statistically significant in this sample. So patients with higher comorbidity burden were more likely or less likely to not achieve or less likely to achieve their functional improvement in the, the acute rehab, which makes sense. In future research, it would be interesting if you could begin to put together a prediction model that went beyond just function to look at other key factors that would help therapists make better discharge decisions on sending patients to different levels of post-acute care. I agree. And I think it's beyond function, not only in the predictors we use, but also in the outcomes. So, you know, we use physical function yeah. improvement in acute rehab as our primary outcome, but success of a post-acute care episode is probably more than just their functional improvement. So I think it's interesting to note some of the other findings here where length of stay was also shorter for patients who were kind of in that sweet spot of function in the hospital. So not only did they get better, but it seems like they may have gotten better faster which I think would also be an important outcome to consider. And, not, and then they also were discharged home more often. So I think maybe those three outcomes make up a really nice story 
about what could be meaningful for these patients. To take that one step further, you also reported no difference in the risk of 30-day rehospitalization among any of the mobility subgroups. I was pleased to see that you looked at that because there's great interest in that, but there was no relationship. What do you make of that finding? I wish I could tell you. I'm really not sure. Um, I, I think that um, that may have been a statistical anomaly, perhaps, you know, we just using that dichotomous outcome with various sample sizes in our, in our various groups may have affected that. Um, it may be because the, these patients were discharged to one acute rehab that was attached to the hospital. And so their medical management may have been different with across those functional categories. Um, you know, there's, there's literature out there that shows that physical function predicts readmission. Right. So we were surprised that this finding came out the way it did. And it may just be because we looked specifically at patients in acute rehab rather than a more general population. And those patients are just different than have been reported in other literature. Well, and it's also, I think, important to remember these kind of data sets are blunt instruments for looking at these kinds of factors. Yeah, that's there a great There might be point. A, lot of, a lot of noise going on. That's a great point. Finally, it was interesting, you looked at both admission function and discharge function, and a lot of studies do that, and you reported that only mobility at discharge was associated to change in function in the ARF, the ERF. And so admission function doesn't seem to be driving any of your findings. Would that suggest that we should just forget about admission function and stop worrying about that? Or, or do you see it otherwise? I don't think we can completely ignore it. I really see it as being able to evaluate the trajectory for these patients. So, you know, we didn't look specifically at the change in function from admission to discharge, but that would be an interesting thing to, to look at. You know, there's probably something about the way these patients change in the hospital because they're because they are a little bit sicker, um, their hospital stays tend to be a little bit longer than most others in the hospital. It's understandable that their function is going to change over the course of the eight or so days, at least in this sample of their hospital admission. And there's but you, you didn't look at that? At the change in function? Yeah. So we didn't report it in the paper, but we did look at it and I could, <laughs> I'd be happy to, to share that. So there was some meaning even in, in the change but, um, and the, the change was more meaningful than the admission, but less meaningful than the actual discharge function. And I'm not sure why, to tell you the truth, but I think it, again, it's worth exploring a little bit more. But what this really meant to us is that we, we need to take into account how those patients change during their hospitalization. We can't base our decisions based on just how they look initially. We need to continue to monitor these patients in the hospital and find, figure out as they get closer to discharge, is acute rehab still the most appropriate or has it become the most appropriate setting for, for discharge? And again, because we didn't look at other setting, post-acute care settings, it's hard for us to know that. Right. But we can at least use this, this study to help guide the patients that um, are likely to do well in acute rehab versus those who may not. And this is a question that would also be interesting, I think, to look at by major diagnosis. I agree. We might, we might find different patterns if it's someone with a stroke versus someone with um, a 
musculoskeletal problem. Yes, I agree. I agree. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Johnson, for taking the time to, uh, to talk with me today. I would encourage our listeners to take a look at the article in PTJ. Uh, I really in, enjoyed the article, and I'm very pleased that you chose to publish it in PTJ. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Jetty. It's a pleasure.